possible later this evening, less than an inch expected. Tonight's low will be around 25 degrees, chance of precipitation 70%. Tomorrow, clouds with some lingering snow showers in the morning. Could see some sunshine in the afternoon, but it won't warm up much. Only a high of 25 is expected. Friday, a high of only 25 degrees with clouds. Maybe a little more snowfall on Friday night. Saturday, partly sunny, a high of 25. We could be back above freezing again on Monday. Right now, we're at 28 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, the nation's public radio real estate investing program all the free no hype advice that you can handle no matter where you are in the u.s or even in the world it's q a day here on real life real estate investing which means i have no topic i don't know what i'm going to talk about until you call me at 772-9658 here in the greater cincinnati area or at 877-772-9658. That's toll-free from anywhere in the United States. Or you can send me an email at askvena at gmail.com. That's A-S-K-V-E-N-A at gmail.com. Any topic related to real estate investing is free game today. Fair game today, I guess is what I meant to say. And... Um, until you all ask questions, I got nothing to say. So uh, go to our fan page at realliferealestateradio.com and join up there to get a weekly free e-letter with an article of interest to real estate investors. Sometimes it's about negotiation. Sometimes it's about legislative issues. Sometimes it's about creative buying or creative selling or renting or managing or screening or who knows what your little educational e-letter will be about each and every week. But the way to get it is go to Real Life Real Estate Radio and fan us so that you can get those notifications and also of course the notification about any new podcasts that are up or uh, the topic of the next show or it's a place that you can post show topics if you'd like to suggest one of those or uh, golly just about anything you want as long as you keep it clean they're on realliferealestateradio.com you will be joining over 1,100 members there on Real Life Real Estate, including John, who says, Hello, Vina. Good job with your informative postings. I love it. I lend in Ohio. So good stuff there on realliferealestateradio.com. The Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati is holding a weekend workshop this upcoming Saturday. The topic is how to create a workable business plan for 2010, and it's going to be a hands-on workshop where you get to spend the day focusing on what your goals are and how you're going to reach them in 2010 with some expert guidance from RIA President Jim Shapiro, who will be there both to show you how to turn those kind of amorphous goals like, oh, I'm going to buy five properties this year into actual day-to-day tasks that will actually get you there this time. You get more information about that all-day workshop this Saturday at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's CincinnatiREIA.com or at 859-292-7342. That's 859-292-RIA. 
questions from listeners that are coming in via email. And remember that you can send us an email with your questions during the show today at vina, askvina, askvina at gmail.com. Or you can give us a call at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 for faster service. You can call us, 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Here's a question from Nancy in Dayton. She says, how do you get around a real estate agent in order to talk to a buyer or seller directly so you can find out what's really going on? And the answer, Nancy, is you kind of can't. Buyers and sellers hire real estate agents largely because they don't want to do their own negotiation. They're afraid that if they talk to you personally, they will reveal something that's going to allow you to magically control their minds and get whatever it is that you want. And the agents themselves tend to be kind of hesitant to let the buyers and sellers talk to each other for the same reasons. They're afraid that the buyers and sellers might just, uh, you know, say something to each other that's going to mess things up. Or, of course, there's that secondary fear that the buyer and seller are somehow going to cut the agent out and they won't get paid after they did all that work. So it's not easy to do that. You can request of the agent or your agent can request of the other agent that you all have a sit down together, but they are certainly not obligated to do that. So when you're working on a deal that has an agent involved, whether the agent is working for the buyer and you're selling or working for the seller and you're buying, often the best that you can do is put in your offer and see if it flies or not. That's why working with buyers and sellers directly is the preferred method of a lot of real estate investors. A question from Solomon in Des Moines, Iowa. He says, uh, I found your program about a year ago, downloaded all of the podcasts off the site. I had just gotten caught up in July when they ran out. (laughs) There seems to have only been three podcasts since then. I've checked iTunes, but they don't seem to be updating either. Uh, I love the program and wouldn't want to miss out on any crucial information. And uh, Solomon, we are working on that problem. We are having a problem getting the uh, shows to propagate onto iTunes. Uh, You might want to check. Uh, It may be fixed now. I haven't actually looked at it in about a week. But yes, I I get an email like that approximately once a day. And I'm doing my very best with my own technologically limited self to try and get the other people around me who know what they're doing technologically to fix this. Uh, Hal in Palm Springs, California says, the majority of properties for sale in my market are either REOs or short sales. The lenders have a clause in their contract prohibiting the assignment to another buyer. Most of the properties are ones built in the past few years. Buyer prefer, buyers prefer the newer homes rather than the old ones. How can I overcome the bank's objection to assigning my approved offer? Well, how you might potentially have have two problems here, because on the one hand, contract assignments are usually done from a wholesaler to a real estate investor. And there's a, f- there's a couple of ways to overcome the non-assignment clause. It's not that you're overcoming the bank's objection because you're not going to do that. You're not going to, you're not going to talk, you know, one of these big national banks into waiving their whole, we don't want you to assign this thing for you. Okay. Um, The reason that they have the non-assignment clause is because the typical bank loses something like $50,000 on the typical foreclosure. And so if you are putting the contract under a uh, property under contract for 200,000 and you're selling the property for 220, they really want that other 20. They want to work directly with your buyer. They don't want you getting that 20. They want to have it. You know, there's that whole conversation that you are now having with yourself about, but I found the buyer and they didn't and I marketed the heck out of it and they didn't and I put it under contract and I took the risk and okay, yeah, it's still their policy. Sorry, Hal. So in that case, one of the most common things that investors are doing today, and probably we should have a show about this, is uh, they're using what's called transactional funding. Transactional funding is a 
a third-party lender who specializes in this coming in and giving you the money to buy the property so that you can immediately resell it. And there's no problem with that. It's not a double closing. It's not the buyer's money paying for the property so that you can buy it so that you can sell it to him. There's no issue with transactional funding the way there is with double closings. Transactional funding is going to cost you generally between two and three and a half percent of the amount that you borrow. So if you have to borrow $200,000 so you can sell the house for two twenty, you're going to pay about 6000 of your $20,000 profit out in fees. And that is one of the couple of ways that you can get past that when you are wholesaling a deal. When we come back, I'll describe to you what the problem is if what you're trying to do is sell to a homeowner, which is what it sounds like that you might be doing. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It is question and answer week, and I'm looking forward to your questions at 772-9658-877-772-9658 or askvina at gmail.com. Support for WMKV comes from the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati, a nonprofit educational association with programs available for real estate investors at all levels of experience. RIA meets on the first and third Thursdays of every month. More information about RIA and their meetings is available at 859-292-7342. Take a check on traffic right now. From Artemis, we have an accident in the 10,600 block of Springfield Pike, which of course is... Uh, not right outside the door here at Maple Knoll Village. Accident, uh, Glenway at Rutledge, Beekman at State, and uh, some backups northbound 71. Slows through uh, Montgomery through Pfeiffer, north 75, a real little heavy around 74. And then again at Mitchell, southbound 75, Some uh, you'll hit the brake lights around Paddock off and on through Mitchell. And then uh, some backups in the southbound 75 cut in the hill. Your forecast from the National Weather Service this evening Cloudy skies, some snow, even some accumulations expected, uh, especially after midnight. But total accumulations should remain less than an inch. Tonight's low around 25 degrees. And we're not going to warm up much beyond that tomorrow. In fact, the high temperature tomorrow when it was only supposed to be around 28 degrees. And we're going to stay right around that uh, temperature mark uh, through the weekend before we warm up a little bit on Monday. WMKV is proud of our vocal supporters. We hope that you'll share WMKV with a friend. It only takes a second, and it makes a big difference. Please tell a friend about WMKV FM 89.3 and about our worldwide streaming audio at WMKVFM.org. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. And today we are talking about whatever it is you want to talk about. It's uh, question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate Investing. And uh, getting some questions via email at askvina at gmail.com. As usual, some of you are sitting there thinking, oh, my question's too dumb. I'm too much of a beginner. My question's too smart. She's not going to want to answer it because it's too specific. And so you're not picking up the phone and calling me at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658, which means I have to spend a lot of time tap dancing like I am right now because I don't come in here with like some prepared talk during question and answer week. If you don't ask, ask questions, we just... uh I don't know, have long pauses like this. Um, Hal in Palm Springs, though, had sent an email that uh, really had a two-part answer, uh, one of which I answered earlier. And the other part of the question, Hal, which I don't think you actually asked it, but I think this is, I think this is what you were asking, was about assigning uh, contracts to homeowners, to people who are going to live in the house. And there, that, that becomes very, very complicated because of uh, seasoning issues that, yes, FHA dropped their 30-day se- or the, the 90-day seasoning requirement um, last week, week and a half ago. It was a big, big deal here in the real estate world. But that doesn't mean that the individual banks don't still have seasoning requirements and Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac still have their seasoning requirements, six months seasoning. So if you found a ready, willing, and able homeowner who does what most ready, willing, and able homeowners want to do, which is get financing, uh, you won't be able to sell the property again immediately. 
even if you get transactional funding to close it. The only way that you can really do that is to make sure that your buyers are pre-qualified through some sort of portfolio lender who isn't giving them a Fannie Mae or VA loan and who doesn't have seasoning requirements of their own. And uh, since most buyers are going to come to you pre-qualified with a certain lender, that gets, you know, again, complex. It's it's doable. Um, there are actually cash home buyers out there. And of course, there's no seasoning requirements for cash. But it takes a lot more jumping through hoops and sorting through to find exactly the right person than wholesaling to an investor for cash. So uh, that strategy, by the way, has come to be called wholetailing, a combination of wholesaling and retailing. Uh, let's see, Darren in Detroit says, Hi, Vina, I'm a wholesaler and I'm a little frustrated because I haven't been able to do a deal in quite a while. The reason is I've got a shoestring budget. I'm barely able to keep food on the table. I work a job, which he defines as the acronym just over broke. So I don't have marketing dollars to get the the leads I need. I'm putting ads on Craigslist and other free sites, but a lot of calls have no deals. I don't have a car to drive for dollars. I walk when I can to locate deals, but I'm limited. I pass out flyers. When I have a little money to get leads, I'm taking action. Can you expertly explain what more can I do considering the limited amount of marketing dollars I'm tired of punching a clock. Help. P.S. I'm in Michigan. The market sucks here, as you know. And uh, yes, D- Darren, the uh, Detroit market is ground zero of the entire real estate mess. Foreclosures galore. People moving out in droves. Um, the folks who are buying in Michigan and Detroit are, as near as I can tell, largely out-of-state buyers from California and the East Coast to, who say, how can I possibly lose by buying a house for $7,000 when you and I know perfectly well that there are houses in Detroit that by the time you did the repair work, you would not only have to give the house for free, you would have to get a check for $20,000 in addition to that to make it worth doing. So um, sorry about that, but the the thing that you're that, that you're not telling me you're doing here that is absolutely free is using a real estate agent. Why, why are you not, why are you not out with a real estate agent looking at bank owned properties that doesn't cost you anything? The real estate agent has a car. They can come and get you and take you around and look at houses. And when you put one under contract and you sell it, the agent gets paid and it doesn't cost you anything. The seller pays the commission. So why are you not using a real estate agent. By the way, if I had a little bit of money and I had the choice between passing out flyers or putting stamps on postcards and mailing those postcards to potential motivated sellers like people in pre-foreclosure and people who've inherited properties and so on, I would I would I would mail the postcards because I know it's it's more expensive, but you get a lot more bang for your buck that way. Uh, so thank you very much for your question, Darren. If you have a question for real life real estate investing, you can give me a call at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Or you can send me an email at askvina at gmail.com. Going back to our email questions here. Uh, let's see. This one is from JC in Las Vegas. Vina, I'm coming to the goddess with this one because I'm getting conflicting an- answers from multiple experts. Well, geez, JC, if that's the case, then obviously mine is just going to be another one in a pool of conflicting answers. But let's go on and see what you have to say. Can a seller in the midst of an open bankruptcy, Chapter 13 in this case, deed their house to me or not? I've been told that this is illegal, not by an attorney. And my questions then would be illegal for whom? The seller, me or both? And why is it illegal? I've also been told the seller can do this legally. I simply don't have good title until the bankruptcy has run its course one way or another. With so many sellers going through this situation and more to come, I think a discussion of this issue is vital. Uh, well, JC, the problem, the thing you have to understand about bankruptcy, and, and this is probably why you're getting conflicting answers, actually, is that when a person declares bankruptcy, what they are doing is they are, con- they are turning over control of all of their assets to the bankruptcy court. They no longer have the legal ability to do things like 
transfer title to their property because they are not in control of the title of their property. The bankruptcy trustee is in control of the title to their property. So could a seller create a deed and sign it over to you so that it said that you were now the owner of the house? Yes. Would that deed hold any legal effect? No, because that would be sort of like if you came to me and said, will you sell me this guy's house over here? And I said, sure, here's a deed. I can I can write the deed. I can sign it, but it doesn't have any legal force is the problem. If you got a deed from a seller who was in bankruptcy and then recorded it after the bankruptcy, would you get away with it? It depends on if any, what had happened to the property in the meantime. If what usually happens to the property, which is that it ends up going back to the bank on a deed in lieu of foreclosure... Um, you'd be your your deed would be recorded after theirs, and you'd just have wasted your time. If the seller still ends up owning the property after the bankruptcy is discharged, uh, because the bank doesn't want to take a deed in lieu of foreclosure, because maybe there's a second mortgage on it. Yeah, you could go record that deed, and again, you'd probably get away with that. But if the seller or the bank who then wants to foreclose or whatever came forth and said, hey, this is not a legal deed because it was actually dated at a time when the seller didn't have control of the property, I don't think that you would prevail. I think that the court would agree that the seller did not have the right to sell you that property while he was in bankruptcy. So I don't know that uh, I don't know that either thing that you're hearing is wrong. I think you're just hearing two different pieces of the same thing. Uh, you're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing, 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or our, our numbers or any questions that you have about real estate investing, you can send them right now to askvina at gmail.com. WMKV is proudly supported by the new Kensington Place Apartments at Mabel Knoll Village. The 56 new apartments offer a wide variety of floor plans and access to all the services and amenities available through Mabel Knoll Village. The new Kensington Place Apartments, a place to live an active lifestyle in retirement. More information on the new Kensington Place is available at 513-782-2717. Checking on traffic right now. We have an accident on Winton at North Hill Lane, right in the intersection there. Still cleaning up accidents. 10,600 block of Springfield Pike, Glenway at Rutledge, and Beekman at State, and still have slowdowns in the usual spots. Your forecast tonight from the National Weather Service. Uh, cloudy early on, but after midnight, some snow, and in fact, we could get some accumulations but they should remain less than an inch for most of the WMKV listening area. Tonight's low around 25. Tomorrow's high temperature only 28. And we're going to stay right around there. Uh, in fact, even colder on Saturday. Saturday night's temperature, a low temperature, will be around 10 degrees, if not a little colder than that. So chilly weekend, a little bit of a warm-up on Monday. Uh, right now we're at 28 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. Maple Knoll Village will hold its annual rummage sale and auction on Saturday, February the 6th from 9 a.m. until 3.30 p.m. at Maple Knoll Village Auditorium and surrounding Main Street areas. Arts and crafts, housewares, collectibles, toys, adult and children's clothing, furniture, and more items will be featured. Plus, WMKV will have classic radio CD packages and hundreds of LPs available. Proceeds benefit the Maple Knoll Community's Future Care Fund and WMKV. Please come out and shop at the Rummage Sale and Auction, February the 6th at Maple Knoll Village, 11100 Springfield Pike in Springdale. More details at 513-782-8629. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. It's question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate. We do this once a month because, I don't know, we just can't get all the questions answered that folks have during our regular shows where we're spending most of the time interviewing experts. So this is sort of our open mic week that uh, we have once a month and invite you to call with any questions you have about real estate investing whether it has to do with rentals or wholesales or retails or financing, buying, selling, whatever the case may be. 
Our numbers here in the studio are 877-772-9658 if you are calling from outside the greater Cincinnati area. If you're inside the greater Cincinnati area, it's 513-772-9658. Or if you'd like to send an email, it's askvina at gmail.com. And I just got a an email from Steve saying that, yes, the 10 new shows have now propagated. So we now have up on the iTunes feed... Don DeRosa and the best deals of 2009 and Chris Finney talking about how to lower your taxes. Jim Shapiro talking about real estate education, question and answer shows, the hard money show, Matt Scott's private funding show, uh, Lou Brown, Than Merrill, Ray Alcorn. So we are looking good on our updated iTunes feed. Yay! There should be some sort of like an applause. There we go. That is the sound of 10,000 real life real estate listeners celebrating that for the first time this summer we actually have new shows up on the on the web. Yay. All right. So, uh going back to our questions and remember you can ask yours anytime up until about 5 minutes before the hour when we go off the air here. Uh let me go back to my file here. Okay. Uh Lenny in Baltimore, Maryland. I was just up in Baltimore last weekend. Actually came back yesterday. Um he says, hello, I recently completed one of the best courses on commercial real estate course, the best course I've enjoyed to date, many problems. For one, when using a lender, I was told that down payment assistance is available if one doesn't have the down payment. If I need to get a down payment to find a hard money lender who will make, who will take the second position, not true. Also, many of the contracts suggested the con- contact suggested that to, to contact are out of date. All of them want money down before they will fund. In addition, there is no way to know which lender is honest, etc. Totally lost here. I guarantee, Lenny, that this is your problem. You have a course there that while the fundamentals are probably still really sound, I bet you any amount of money, it has a copyright date of 2007 or before. Because in 2007, everything you just said was completely accurate. That commercial lenders would lend you 80% of the cost of a commercial deal. And if you borrowed the other 20%, they didn't really care that much. And that there were hard money lenders who were willing to take second position. In other words, loan you the 20% down so that you could get the first mortgage. Uh, That all crashed and burned about a year, year and a half ago. And uh, I'm sorry that whoever you bought this course from has not updated their course to reflect the current commercial property problems. But the fact is that uh, commercial lenders now want you to actually have some skin in the game and they want some fairly serious skin. Uh, You can still get 20% down loans from some, you know, old established local savings and loans, especially if you have a relationship with them. But many of the larger national lenders and even hard money lenders want to be in first position and they want you to put between 30 and 45% down in cash, your own cash. So what do we do about this? Well, number one, if we have 45,000 or 45% down in cash, more power to you, you can go buy a commercial property. I'm thinking though that that's not the case or you would not have sent me this email. Um, How about partners? Do you have any partners that could get into the deal for that kind of cash? How about not dealing with properties where the owner himself is not willing to carry financing? You better believe that more and more owners are willing to carry financing right now because they can't sell their properties. Why? Because their buyers can't get decent financing on them. That's why. And so what do they do? They have to decide to sell creatively on something like an owner-held mortgage subject to that sort of thing. All the same creative finance techniques that apply to residential real estate that we talk about here on Real Life Real Estate also, of course, apply to residential or to a commercial properties. So, uh, again, sorry that the financing part of this course that you otherwise really liked is outdated. Sorry that the real estate market is changing so fast that many authors cannot keep up with the changes in them. And it's always helpful, of course, to have an author who is actually in the market on a day-to-day basis so that they would know this and not convey something to you that is old news. It's question and answer week on Real Life Real Estate. If you have a question, 772-9658 or 877 
772-9658. You can also send us an email like Kevin, I'm sorry, Kyle, Kyle in Martinsville, Indiana did. Uh, that's askvina at gmail.com. Uh, Kyle says, hello, Vina. I own a rental property, which has a fence backyard. The fence is in good shape. The neighbor has a dog, which has jumped the fence into my yard on several occasions. On one occasion, the dog bit my renters. Authorities were contacted, but the dog still remains. Questions. What are my responsibilities as a landlord? And am I at fault if this happens again? Uh, okay, Kyle, uh, let's talk about, um, what could happen and then what will happen. Uh, obviously anybody can sue you for anything, you know, they can say, Kyle didn't make the fence high enough. Kyle didn't tell me there was a dog next door. Kyle is somehow at fault with this. Let's see if his insurance will pay a settlement. In all likelihood, they wouldn't prevail in that. Legally, it is the neighbor who is responsible for the dog and it is the neighbor's insurance if they have any that would pay out any sort of damages regarding the dog if the neighbor is a tenant which could very well be the case uh it will be the landlord of that property who your tenants will sue if they feel like they've been damaged by the dog because it's very unlikely that the tenant has insurance against the dog it is also very unlikely that the landlord has insurance against the dog. Most insurance policies that you can buy on a rental property at the very least exclude about five breeds of dog that are considered to be especially dangerous. That includes Rottweilers, Chows, Pit Bulls, you know, the, the usual list of suspects. Um, it, I find it very difficult to believe that you have contacted or that, they, that the, the bit person has contacted the local authorities and that the dog has not been taken away and probably, unfortunately, put to sleep for being vicious if he has really bitten your tenant. Uh, they t typically take that kind of th that, that sort of thing kind of seriously. But um, yeah, the, uh, it, you, you, very unlikely that you know you you've done everything you can, and even even if you didn't have a fence yard, it is the neighbor's dog that bit your tenants. So. Uh, I don't really think you need to take any real action here except perhaps contact the authorities again and let them know about just how serious the situation is. Uh, let's see, got a, I, uh, someone here who wants to be a guest. I will give him a call later on. And question from, boy, this one's like pages long. Let's see. Uh, Rudy in Oakland, Illinois says, uh, I made $5,000 on a deal back in 2007, but haven't done anything since the market fell out. Um, you mentored me by email. I found a buyer. Oh, it was a three property deal. So... I've never actually done a wholesale deal, even though the deal above was the easiest in my life. Of course you did a wholesale deal, Rudy. That's exactly what you did. Um, now I'm running a little scared. I was almost sued for an investment deal that I did back in 2001 where squatters destroyed my property. And I had to go into Chapter 7 and get rid of some other debts. My lawyer wanted to sue me for some illegality with my mortgage broker, attorney, etc. But dropped me when he found out I had no money and was actually an innocent victim. Now I'm running a little scared. I don't want to go to jail. Um, yeah, you, you have kind of let one bad experience where you didn't actually do anything wrong and somebody thought you did, but then it turned out you didn't, uh, keep you from moving forward with this, Rudy. The first deal is always the hardest one. The second one shouldn't be the hardest one that you, you've, you've gotten past that and something completely different happened on a completely different kind of deal with a completely different kind of property. And it's like, it sapped all your confidence and you can't, you can't let that happen. Uh, he says, Illinois has so many laws and restrictions on real estate investors. I can't do this or that or I'll be sued, especially if I'm a landlord, but also in wholesaling illegally. There's no there's no wholesaling illegally. I mean, in, assuming you're not defrauding someone, there's no such thing as illegal wholesaling. Um, I go up to a lot of webinars and so on to keep up my learning curve, but uh, I mostly listen to replays. I really want to learn to do another five to $10,000 deal in this new real estate market because I did it once. 
Uh, I don't think I would have done the 07 deal without you looking over my shoulder. Mentoring is the key. Yes, I agree with that. And the question is, how do I make put together a plan to make five to ten thousand dollars? Well, Rudy, you're going to do the same thing you did before, which is wholesale. You are in a different market now, which means the you you have to make better deals for your buyers. Like you have to really really stick to those formulas of seventy percent of the after repaired value, less repair costs on starter homes, and sixty percent of the after repair value, less repair costs on rental homes. But there are still a lot of investors out there buying, and the main thing you got to do is you got to—I don't know—you got to get your gumption back here. It's uh, clear. This clearly, this is like in your head because you're afraid of being sued. And I would go back, Rudy, to the question of even if you were sued, which you know, if you're treating everybody right and you're not defrauding anybody, it's not a problem. You're not going to get sued. And even if you do, what are they going to get? How, how, what, your worst case scenario is not that bad. You know, so they sue you and they get the nothing that you have. What's, what's the big deal? Let's put this in, into perspective here, shall we? You've, you've, you've lost your mojo. You need to get it back. Best way to do that, of course, is to start attending some RIA meetings and listen to other people who are not as smart as you talking about the deals that they did. I always find that very motivating to, you know, meet some 23-year-old kid who flipped five deals last month and uh, just go out and do it because you know how to do it. And uh, you're just, you're you're stopping yourself here. The, the only law in Illinois that I'm aware of that you really have to watch out for is the law regarding uh, dealing with sellers who are in pre-foreclosure. And there's some disclosures that you have to give them. Uh, you really don't want to lease back to them, but that's not an issue since you're going to be wholesaling the deal anyway. Uh, because if you lease back to them and they don't buy the property, you have to give them 80% of the profits. It's a really complicated, really complicated situation there. But you don't like that? Stay away from pre-foreclosures. And just, just go do it because uh, this is, uh, it's not that hard a business. I'm sorry, it's just not. 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 are the numbers to call with any questions you have at all about real estate investing. Or you can send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Program support on WMKV comes from the Manor House Restaurant. Located on the campus of Maple Knoll Village, the Manor House offers lunch and dinner, as well as Sunday brunch and weekend buffets. Private party rooms are also available. Information and reservations at 513-782-4300. That's 513-782-4300. Four three zero zero. Well, the folks at Artemis have trimmed the accident list down a little bit. We just have one accident. It's in the intersection of Winton at North Hill Lane. We do have a disabled vehicle reported on Red Bank at Duck uh, Red Bank at Duck Creek, uh, backing up traffic on Red Bank to I seventy one. I think that's that long exit ramp there. Uh, South seventy one, a backup at Pfeiffer. But uh, everything else pretty much uh, as can be expected for a Wednesday evening. Northbound 75, a little heavier than usual between the viaduct and I-74. Forecast tonight, uh, cloudy skies after midnight, maybe some snow showers that accumulate less than an inch uh, for most of the area. Tonight's low around 25 degrees, chance of precipitation 70%. Those uh, flurries will linger tomorrow morning for a while, but we could see some sunshine late in the day. Tomorrow's high only 28. And then on Friday, a high of 25. Saturday, a high of 25. Sunday, a high of 28. And then back above freezing, hopefully on Monday. Right now we're at 27 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's question and answer week. Also, your chance to join our 3,000 fans and 1,100 group members on Real Life Real Estate Investing. Sorry, Real Life Real Estate Radio.com. That's our Facebook fan page where you can always get information about the shows, post questions, post potential topics, potential guests, all of those sorts of things. I uh, just realized that I missed a question when Steve Steve sent me the um, information that the shows were up. I got so excited that I missed that he actually had a question, 
which is, can you recommend a way to keep track of contacts and the houses we are looking at for potential wholesale deals? And Steve, I hope you're not baiting me to try to make a comment on the software being sold in that recent launch, because as you know, I cannot talk about that sort of thing, but there are lots of software programs available to do what you're looking to do. And they, they range from, from the very simple, which is like just a database that holds the information about properties that you've seen or potential buyers to much more complex ones that kind of act like contact managers and they'll do autoresponders to emails and they'll uh, send flyers for you and, and all sorts of, uh, of fancy stuff. They also, of course, range greatly in price, which is the thing that most people get hung up on is because I've seen these things as as cheap as, you know, like 500 bucks and as expensive as 3000 plus dollars. I can tell you how we handle it because most of the software that's out there is duplicative of some of the more common software that people have installed on their computers and use every day. And all they do is kind of integrate all the functions. Uh, for many years, I kept all of the properties that I'd looked at on a spreadsheet, which is a simple Excel spreadsheet. Only I've been doing this for so long that it was actually a Lotus 123 spreadsheet. If anybody even remembers that program, that was that was what I kept it on. And, uh, it, it, you know, the, 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 the data became fairly cumbersome after a while, because when you're when you're looking at properties and you start wanting to keep lots of information about them, like how many rooms and how many bedrooms and what was it listed for and when did I make the offer and how much did I offer and what did the property need and who was the real estate agent and ultimately how much did it sell for if it didn't sell to me and uh, did I remake the offer? I, you know, the spreadsheets ended up being a hundred columns wide, which, you know, works, works fine. It's no big deal. It's not, not especially easy to move around in, but uh, the big problem of course is, that time when you want to sort all the properties by neighborhood and you actually accidentally only select one column and you only sort it and it ruins your entire spreadsheet because all the information in that column is now wrong for all the properties. So we move from there to a database. Uh, again, access, you know, it's probably already installed in your Microsoft Office suite. And we created a fill form that had all the same information in it. And that drops it into something that looks like, if you just look at the raw data, it looks like a spreadsheet, but it's not because you can't mess it up. You can't sort one column and not sort the other columns. And that has worked just fine for us for many, many years. And the buyers are in a similar spreadsheet. And we're able to sort and say, uh, all right, we've got a, a three-bedroom house for sale in College Hill, and it needs cosmetic work only. So who's looking for single family homes in College Hill that need cosmetic work only? And sure enough, it spits up, just do an inquiry and it spits up, you know, seven or eight names of people who want to do that along with their phone numbers and email addresses. So rather than spend thousands of dollars on the massive contact management system, I would sort of suggest that maybe you do something like that. Um, some of the contact management systems are, are actually preferable for people who are in business that require constant contact with the same sellers, especially. Um, and that would typically be a short sale situation where that would be the case where you have to like weekly remember to send them reports that say, here's where we are with the short sale. Uh, looking for questions because uh, it is question and answer week. And we are just about out of email questions here, it looks like. Oh my gosh, my email is locked up. That is not good. Uh, but give us a call at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. And uh, looks like we got one more here. And boy, I'm hoping this thing will work. This is uh, from Regan or Reagan in Ballinger, Texas who says, I've been a regular listener since finding your podcast several months ago. I've gone back and listened to all the previous podcasts also. Thank you for the valuable information. You or your guests have mentioned using private lenders and or partners throughout various broadcasts. What I am not certain about is how to structure partnerships. What percentage of the deal should the partner get? I know this depends on a lot of things, but could you provide some scenarios you would consider 
also, you mentioned using five hundred or a thousand dollars from, uh, sorry, five thousand or ten thousand dollars from a private lender. You can't buy a house with this amount without additional financing. Are you giving the private lender a second on the property and getting bank financing for the difference? How does the private lender have security in your investment when lending small amounts? Okay, so good, nice, complicated question. Um, well, Reagan, on the partnership question. Uh, the first thing that I want to encourage you to do is never get into a partnership except for a money partnership. Uh, getting into partnerships where the thing is you're kind of scared to make deals and so is your partner. So you kind of agree that you're going to like both do the work together and split all the deals 50-50. Bad, 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 horrible, terrible, business-threatening, emotionally-rending idea. Do you get the idea that I don't like that kind of partnership? Very bad. Never really seen one succeed. What you're looking for, though, is a money partnership where somebody else is providing at least some or probably the bulk of the cash and you are bringing the deal to the table. And the thing that most people think of in that situation is a 50-50 partnership. I bring the deal, I do the work, he brings the money. And uh, that can work. The thing with a 50-50 partnership is that somebody has got to be able to make the final decision on things if there's an argument about what color to paint the house. So you can arrange that by having an LLC where you're a 50% owner, he's a 50% owner, but you're the managing member. That is one way to do it. You don't have to give partners 50%, you know, particularly not if you have some of the money and the deal and he has the rest of the money. You could do a 25-75 partnership. Uh, you have... Exactly the right idea about the private lenders, though. They, um, the reason that you've heard me mention that we've borrowed small amounts of money from people is because those are they're either first mortgages on very, very beat up houses that we're actually able to get for five to ten thousand dollars, and that we're probably going to be selling pretty quickly. Um, more often, though, they are second mortgages for repair costs and. Yes, the private lender gets a second mortgage, and the combined total of the first and second mortgage is still never above 70% of the after-repaired value of the property. So that is how that is how they are secured, is that if I get hit by a bus on the way out of here uh, and my heirs don't make the payments and the property has to go to foreclosure sale, it's probably going to sell for more than the combined total of the first and second mortgages. Uh, here's a question from Sally in Cincinnati. My husband and I would like to start investing in real estate. What is your advice on how to get started? Do you have recommended resources or literature or good courses in this area? Oh, Sally, you're killing me. Uh, first thing Sally is, uh, no, I swear I didn't set this up. Um, join Cincinnati RIA. I, I'm, I assume that you've already done that because you've heard that here a million times. Secondly, uh, if you can just stay put for about four or five weeks and keep listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing in the fund drive in March... We're going to be offering a premium for your pledge that is like the best beginner's course in real estate anywhere in the country, and it's being held right here in Cincinnati. And it's called Real Estate 101, and when you pledge for it, not only do you get like a 200-page manual and 18 hours of audio, you also get to help keep real life real estate investing on the air and go to a live class right here in Cincinnati for two days. So thank you for your question, Sally. Uh, question from Dave in Cincinnati. Wow, Cincinnati people <laughs> suddenly listening to the show. Last year, we bought a foreclosed property. Because we paid significantly less than the auditor's praise value, I filed a complaint against the valuation of real estate property in Hamilton County. They agreed with my true value amount and my taxable value has been decreased. Because of the timing, a large amount of taxes were overpaid by the previous owner. Have you heard of anyone sending Fannie Mae a bill for services for filing the complaint and winning a refund for them? I was thinking if I did the work, I should get to share in the reward. Uh, sorry, Dave. Uh, good luck. You know, go ahead and try. I think Fannie Mae's got bigger fish to fry right now than whether, you know, they want to pay Dave for his services in helping them get their refund. Um, I'll tell you what, though, Dave, about half the time that we've filed those, we've done exactly the same thing many, many times. Uh, they actually send the refund check to me. So, you know, maybe, maybe you will get paid. Probably not, but who knows? Maybe you will. Uh, thanks for your question, Dave. And I, I love these folks who want to like, they want to like take on Fannie Mae and FHA and Bank of America and change their policies and, you know, more, more power to you. 
you know what we need in real estate investing is we need we need a lobbyist we need like a really powerful lobby and then we could like get all the good stuff uh let's see how much time do we have left here because this is a question with numbers in it uh, this one is from Eric, who does not say where he has, is from. And, and by the way, when you send us an email at uh, askvian at gmail.com, please do put in the city and state from which you are writing. Uh, Vina, can you discuss the approach of buying an REO at below market using private money, interest only, then selling at a higher price using seller financing land contract? Example. Now, here's where the numbers come in. Everybody get out your pen and paper, because we all know how well numbers work on the radio. Purchase price is 30000 Property needs no work. I borrow thirty thousand at eight percent interest. I sell for sixty thousand. I get six thousand dollars from the IRS. That's the first time home buyer tax credit, which is ten percent of the purchase price up to eight thousand. But he's only selling for six, so he only gets six thousand plus an additional three additional three thousand dollars from the buyer. Ooh, good luck with that. Not not sure you're going to get three thousand dollars from a buyer who can only afford a five twenty five a month payment there, uh, Eric. But Okay, you know, if you do, awesome. So it's $9,000 total, which means I'm financing 51 for 30 years at 12%. The P&I is 525, the PITI is 900 a month. Okay, the basic strategy is a good one, Eric. You know, buy cheap, sell on owner financing. Yeah, obviously you're going to raise the price up to the value of the property or, you know, even maybe 5% more since they don't have to refinance the house for a couple of years. Uh, here's, here's where the hole is. If the property is truly worth $60,000, that is a property that would rent for about $600. You are asking for $3,000 down and $900 a month. You're not going to find a buyer who can afford that, who wants to live in that house in that neighborhood. Bring your interest rate down to 8%. That will bring your uh, PITI payments much down much closer to what rent would be and will be much more successful. Also, lower your sights. I don't think you're going to get $3,000 from your buyer. You can try, but I don't think it's going to happen. Maybe $1,000 would be something more reasonable. Now, you're saying, wait a minute, I'm paying 8%. I'm not going to make money if I'm getting 8%. Of course you are because you're paying 8% on 30 and you're getting 8% on 60 or 58 or whatever the case may be, 54000 So good strategy and its basics, not practical the way you've got it set up. Thanks, Eric, and to all the folks who sent us questions here on Real Life Real Estate Investing. We will be back next week with even more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. WMKV, Reading, Ohio. News at 6. Good evening, I'm Dan Carroll. Trisha is giving her voice a rest tonight. Toyota dealerships are once again selling and delivering the eight-car models that the automaker had suspended just one day ago. Nationally, dealerships were notified at the end of the day Tuesday to stop